0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to the After Hours segment of the Founder Hour. I'm Posh. I'm Pat. Uh, And today we got a little bit of a special episode, uh, mainly because for those who don't know, Pat and I are both of Armenian descent. And, you know, if you haven't been following on social media or just, you know, just haven't heard yet, uh, there's a huge conflict in, or, you know, I guess you could call it war in Miran. We can go into that in a bit, uh, in Artsakh, which is a neighboring country to Armenia. You know, where Armenians live and govern and have for hundreds of years. Uh, And as a result, several Armenians have died and people are losing their homes, uh, you know. And this is mainly because of, you know, Turkey and Azerbaijan and, you know, them joining forces to... Really try to continue the Armenian genocide is what it seems like. And so it's, a lo- it's very disheartening for us as Armenians. And that's why we wanted to do this segment and get a little bit of background. And today we're joined by Miran Tumajan, uh, who is uh, a part of the Armenian Assembly. Miran, I would want for you to introduce yourself a little bit so people know why we're even sitting down with you as almost the subject matter expert here. Uh, and then we'll just have a nice conversation about things that are going on, the background of what's happening, what's currently happening, and what can be done to hopefully resolve this as soon as possible
1: well posh and pat thank you very much for having me on um it's an honor to be on your show uh been following you guys for a couple years now um and uh you know unfortunately it's over such dire circumstances in the armenian homeland uh that that uh i I have the honor to be on your show but uh um uh, it's important for this message to get to get through to your followers your large uh your large base of followers um First and foremost, uh, uh, I I serve as the Western Region Director of the Armenian Assembly of America. Uh, We're a nationwide, nonpartisan, nonprofit advocacy organization headquartered in Washington, D.C., founded in 1972 uh, with regional offices in Yerevan, Armenia, and also here in the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, and I manage the the Western office uh basically uh, advocacy and outreach west of the Mississippi River mm-hmm. for the most part, but focus has been on the large California community, certainly um, and a few of our neighboring states like arizona nevada washington state um, you know, we, we we've had some successes uh, over the over the past couple of years, uh, and notably, uh, the the fi- you know uh, the, something that we've been fighting for several several decades, and that's the Armenian Genocide resolution. And of course, late October uh, of 2019, and uh, and in tr- December of 2019, back to back, the House of Representatives overwhelmingly uh, passed the Armenian Genocide resolution as uh, and and reaffirmed uh, the U.S. Uh, US's, um a noble history of coming to the aid of Armenians, uh, in a time of need. Uh, and the Senate did so, uh, unanimously mm-hmm. hundred to nothing, uh, thanks to the leadership of Senator Menendez and Senator Ted Cruz. Um, so, you know, we were, we were sort of building on that high, uh, and things were going great and then COVID hit and, uh, you know, our whole modus operandi, uh, had, had to shift. We had to adapt working from home, uh, you know, working with zoom and other, other, uh, uh virtual platforms and and then you know one thing after another affecting our community you know it started it basically started in the summer um when uh the northeastern region of armenia was attacked by Azerbaijan supported by Turkey that's the Tavush province in northeastern Armenia and um uh the Azerbaijani forces targeted civilian uh homes and uh and businesses uh 30 homes were damaged um, uh, kindergarten uh was was hit pretty severely uh thank god it's been rebuilt uh since then fairly quickly um uh schools were targeted uh and and a factory that was manufacturing uh masks for the covid effort was was hit um so so and and we lost we lost uh roughly a half a dozen soldiers uh, as a result of that um, uh you know and, and, and it was clearly initiated by the Azerbaijanis with with a, a reckless effort to cross the line of contact, the, the internationally recognized border of Armenia and Azerbaijan. And uh, and what happened? What happened in the immediate aftermath? It, that lasted. That we call that a flare-up. That was a flare-up that lasted for about three days. Uh, but what happened shortly after that, in late July, early August, was ten days of of jointly conducted live-fire military exercises by the Turkish uh, armed forces and the Azeri armed forces. And, and, and these exercises took place on, on various uh, border regions of Armenia. Uh, it took place on the Nakhichevan front, Nakhichevan being an, an exclave of Azerbaijan at the moment. Um, historically, it had been Armenian, predominantly Armenian, uh, until, until uh, Stalin came along. Uh, in 1921 and i'll get to stalin probably uh, yeah yeah so before we kind of continue
0: on the current situation i think i think it's important for people and you know i frankly i know pat and i have probably been doing a lot of our own research in the past you know couple weeks about what's happening because we're always so focused on the armenian genocide right and what happened there and why it happened and then you forget everything that happened consequently and the results of that we're experiencing right now talk to us about that time during the genocide where um, Armenia declared independence in 1918 and then right Stalin came along and set the stage for everybody a little bit so that they understand why that was
2: relevant and, and also for context you know for those who may not have heard or know what the Armenian genocide is um, in, in 1915 or starting in 1915 there was a, a systematic effort by the ottoman empire which is modern-day turkey to essentially eradicate or i mean eliminate the entire armenian race um and uh and so that started in 1915 and one and a half million armenians uh were pulled out of their homes murdered in cold blood and uh you know nothing essentially was done about it and uh you know obviously many everyone has heard about the holocaust um, happening with, with uh, Hitler. And, you know, he's famously quoted as saying, you know, who after all remembers the genocide of the Armenians? And so this is sort of what happens when, you know, the, the perpetrators, uh, don't face the consequences of their actions. And so we're, we're seeing also the result of that now after 105 years. Um, so anyways, yeah, we can kind of get into sort of what happens, uh, with his, histor- you know, the historical con- context of the Nagorno-Karabakh region, which is Artsakh. Um, Starting sure. with yeah Stalin
1: yeah yeah and 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 thanks and thanks for the uh, the primer uh, for for your listeners on uh, on the Armenian genocide uh, the genocide affected what was what was known as Western Armenia especially at the time but it also impacted Eastern Armenia which was which used to be part of the the Tsarist Russian Empire uh, Eastern Armenia became independent as you as you mentioned from 1918 to 1921 it wasn't an easy uh, independence albeit short lived uh, the uh, the uh, Ataturk's, Kemal Ataturk's forces were attacking uh, independent Armenia at the time, and there were decisive battles that the Armenians won in order to, to you know, guarantee their statehood, uh, albeit, again, you know, you know three years uh, is, is, is all that it lasted. At the same time, the region of Nagorno-Karabakh, which, which Armenians call Artsakh, was also under attack by joint uh, Turkic-Azerbaijani uh, and Ataturk's forces. Uh, it, it, too... Uh, saw pitch battles, especially in 1918, uh, where the Armenians were defending their territory at the time from marauding Azerbaijanis who were trying to take over the territory. Um, so, so what you have basically come 1921 is uh, a uh, a movement uh, led by Lenin and Stalin for the most part, uh, where they took over uh, and 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 they created a, a communist uh, 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 economy, uh, communist uh, uh, command economy, and and also. uh uh, they created the boundaries of a of a new empire uh which became known as the soviet union and the three um independent republics in the southern underbelly of russia namely armenia georgia and azerbaijan uh were enveloped into that that new empire known as the soviet union um and and stalin uh, who was ruthless of course uh he he was in charge of uh, nationalities policy, and what that means is divide and conquer in many ways. So so he, you know, knowing that there's a majority Armenian population in Nagorno Karabakh at the time in the in the mountainous Karabakh region, which is southeast of present-day uh, Armenia, the Republic of Armenia. Knowing that, he gifted that territory to the Soviet Socialist Republic of Azerbaijan. Just just handed that over, as well as the Nahichevan exclave. And Nakhichevan's population uh, around 1921 was, was roughly 50-50. 50% Armenian, 50% Tatar, as, as, as the Azeris were often referred to.
0: So, so to that point, Miran, I mean, like, yeah. to be completely honest with you, I had never heard of an Azeri growing up. I've, I've, to this day, have never met an Azeri. I mean, are these even, like, is this, like, a real group of people I mean, are are they just Turkish living in what's now Azerbaijan?
1: Yeah, they're 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 a Turk, they're Turkic, uh, ju- and similar to uh, uh, various Turkic nations in, in Central Asia, like Kazakhstan, right. and and Kyrgyzstan, Tur- and, and Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, for example. So they're Turkic uh, by way of ethnic background in Azerbaijan. Um, uh, they uh, in the independent era, uh, they they were followers of uh, of uh, Shiite. Islam, uh, and uh, and so they had a connection with in, uh, with respect to their faith more to Iran than, than to, to Turkey, Turkey. Um, and and there there is a sizable and and was historically also a sizable Azer, Azerbaijani uh, community in Iran in in mm-hmm. the Persian Empire, um, and uh, and they and they're, and they're still there. They have a presence in in especially in the northern part of Iran uh, around the Tabriz uh, region. Um, but but Azerbaijan as a as a state, um, you know, was was uh, incarnated in 1918. Um, and so same
0: time as Armenia's first. Independence. Same time
1: as as yeah. But although the difference is, Armenia has had a, a history of uh, you know their, you know Kings. Greater, greater Armenia, lesser Armenia, kingdoms right. uh, dating back to even before the age of of Christ, uh, and and and, Mel- and melikdoms, uh, which are princely families especially in in the region of mountainous Karabakh Nagorno Karabakh where you have you've had uh, centuries of of meliks princes r- ruling uh, the territory there and 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 also uh defending the territory mm. from from various uh, onslaughts from tamerlane uh, from uh, and, and you know genghis khan and and others uh, from the from central asia who were who were marauding and and uh you know pillaging and raping uh, whatever they can get their hands on, um, and and Armenia was in the crossroads of of their onslaught uh, to the west. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's a uh, Nagorno-Karabakh uh, was an Armenian majority autonomous district during the Soviet Union, and and during the, the seventy years of the Soviet Union, the Armenian population uh, ended up dwindling from from ninety five percent at the beginning of the Soviet mm-hmm. era to roughly seventy five percent. Uh, in the late '80s, and in the late '80s, uh, thanks to uh, General Secretary Gorbachev, um, you know he introduced these two new concepts: Glasnost and Perestroika—openness and restructuring. So um, he basically uh, gave license to people to to live uh, more freely, right. to express themselves more freely, uh, and 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 a lot of uh, of the of the Soviet states took advantage of that. Certainly. In Armenia, there were movements, uh, uh, an environmental movement 1987, which then um, transformed itself into Miatsum, the movement of unity with Nagorno-Karabakh in, 19, in 1988, 1987-88. And um, what we saw as a result of that movement was a harsh reaction in Azerbaijan with the Sumgait pogroms committed against Armenians in uh, February 1988, followed by the Kirobabad pogroms, again, again, targeting Armenians um, in a very large city in Azerbaijan, and, and then uh, the, the Baku pogroms uh, in January 1990. Um, and that was the last straw for Armenians in Azerbaijan proper, a community that had really contributed to the uh, the wealth and the diversity of Azerbaijan during the Soviet era, and, um, which had transformed the oil industry because of uh, you know folks like Gulbenkian, for example, um, Gulbenkian, who had uh, enormous stakes in Caspian Sea oil um, at the dawn of the 20th century. You, what you have is a is a base of professionals, engineers uh, working in the oil industry who were who were Armenian and and some of them have an, had ancestors in Nagorno Karabakh. They ended up for for work purposes moving in the Soviet era. To Baku, uh, to, to uh, for gainful employment, they, you know, Armenians from Baku will say they'll be the first to say, you know, we had good relations, you know, with with many Azeris at the time. Uh, yes, they will also admit that there there was the 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 national chauvinism towards uh, Armenians and other minorities was prevalent, and it still is. And not only is it still prevalent, but it's actually uh, doubled and tripled yeah. in in uh, in. You, know, you know, one,
2: know, one thing I wonder, and maybe, and perhaps you have insight into this, is you know, uh, famously, you know, the, the Hitler and the Holocaust, the uh, the goal there was this sort of ethnic cleansing because right. you know they believed that they were the supreme race and um, the Jews were not, and and what not. And so, in this case, you know, dating back to 1915 or even prior to that, why or has there been um, any, I guess, uh, documentation on why? Uh, Turkey wanted to completely erase the Armenians from existence? Like, was it, I mean, I understand where, you know, there's religion, you know, Armenians are Christian, uh, the Ottoman Empire was not. Was that pri- primarily the reason or was there other?
1: Yeah, it, you, know, you know, among the young Turk leadership uh, uh, that came to power, uh, deposed the Sultan, 1908 came to power and, uh, and they were chiefly responsible for the planning and execution of the Armenian genocide. They, they had more of a pan-Turkist streak, so meaning meaning the creation of a of a large Turkic empire stretching from you know uh, Thrace and, and Istanbul all the way to uh, the Xinjiang province in China. so that was you know it, back then that was their goal um, and and certainly uh, the Ottoman Empire at the time, which was which was extensive, um, ended up losing quite a bit of land, uh, especially in the Middle East uh, as a result of World War one and and the overstretch of of Ottoman forces. Uh, but but that didn't preclude certainly uh the young turks uh and their henchmen uh, from from you know uh carrying out a a, a and their intent which was to destroy the armenian race on, on on its territory and they and they succeeded in the sense that um you know the the survivors the orphans uh the women who survived uh you know mir- miraculously ended up in the Syrian desert. Uh, were taken up by by noble uh you know families for the most part um uh, some were taken in taken in by uh and tribes uh and then our Ar- in Armenians certainly made an effort to go and find the orphans mm-hmm. to find uh the women who were taken in as uh as as uh you know in a harem for example right. so so when when things sort of you know came to a, a, a normalcy, if you will, in, in the 1930s, for example. And so from 1915 to 1930, Near East Relief, which was mm-hmm. U.S.-mandated, Congress-mandated Near East Relief, it saved thousands of Armenian lives uh, with, with um, you know, training for, for, for the survivors, training uh, on, on various skills, uh, and be that in Lebanon, be that in Syria, mm-hmm. be that in Egypt, uh, and be that in independent Armenia. Right. Um, the, the the U.S. government through their humanitarian intervention uh, uh, by way of Near East relief, you know they they saved uh, uh, you know hundreds of thousands of orphans. And on top of that, if you if you look at today's value uh, of, the, of the amount spent at the time, it's well over two billion dollars in today's dollars. Wow! So um, that that course of humanitarian intervention, um, you know, which 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 was which was uh, uh, emblematic of Woodrow Wilson's um, Mm-hmm. Policies uh, and and, uh, and and
2: and it was Ambassador Morgenthau
1: as well. Ambassador Morgenthau's uh, uh, concern about about what was happening to Armenians and, and, and Greeks as well. Um, that is that is a an attribute that is sorely needed today, right? Uh, by our government, by the United States government, and by by st- statesmen and stateswomen all over the world, right? There's there's a dire need right now for humanitarian inter- intervention to stop. Turkish President Erdogan and his neo expansionist policies, his neo Ottomanist expansion policies, uh, working in tandem, not just with President Aliyev of Azerbaijan, but also uh, recruiting jihadist mercenaries from Syria, from Syria and Libya, and then and and unfortunately, uh, over the past two days, there's there's news that um, that he's he's. Uh, come to an agreement mm-hmm. with Gilbuddin Hekmatyar, who is a warlord in Afghanistan uh, and whose uh, is, uh, Islamic party in Afghanistan mm-hmm. um, is a minority party, but does have quite a, quite a bit of influence. Um, so Mujahideen forces from Afghanistan who are mm-hmm. uh, under the, uh, the control of Hekmatyar, some of them are being sent so to So are Uzbatana. these just like terrorist fighters? These are, these are terrorist fighters who are in Afghanistan who have, who have wreaked havoc uh, on their own people. Uh, and, and sadly, Hekmatyar, this isn't his first foray into Azerbaijan. Back in the early 90s, 1992-93, he was responsible for sending Mujahideen to Azerbaijan to fight Artsat's War of Liberation in the early wow. 1990s. And and the fact of the matter is that they lost a lot of Mujahideen. Um, they they weren't familiar with the terrain. and And many of them got sent back in body bags. I recall a story by the former National Security Advisor of Armenia, who was advisor to President Der at the time, Gerard Liberidian. Liberidian, I recall, said that he got on a flight um, uh, to Kabul, and they got him to wherever the warlord was staying, Hekmatyar, and he negotiated with, with the warlord and his advisors on ending the Mujahideen's involvement, with the Azeri forces. And at the same time, I recall vividly Liberidian saying that the Armenians had, um, some of the deceased Mujahideen in their, in their possession because they, they were killed on the Armenian side of what was the border at the time, shifting border. And, uh, and Liberidian promised them, if you end this, we will, you know, we'll do everything possible to put, you know, send to send these deceased soldiers back so they can have a proper burial. And, uh, and that that actually was uh, was very much appreciated. That that diplomacy, that level of honor, and that level of honor very much appreciated. They pulled out. Wow. Same way the Chechens pulled out. Also, there were there were Chechen uh, mercenaries. Um, after a while, and Shamil Basayev, uh, the the very well known Chechen warlord, he was also involved fighting in Azerbaijan on the side of Azerbaijan. They saw they saw you know the destruction, and they they, they went back to Chechnya. But so the long story short. Uh, to make to make a long story short you have here a confluence of turkish military officers who are in command and control uh positions command and, uh, command and control operations right, right now uh in azerbaijan and in turkey uh you have uh jihadist mercenaries from syria libya and soon from afghanistan you also have, uh, according to, to uh, unverifiable reports, uh, but but they've come out already since yesterday, uh, battle-hardened former Al Qaeda in the Levant uh, terrorists who who later became known as the Al Nusra Front and now go by the term Tahrir al Sham. You have those forces also in Azerbaijan. So you have, you know, the, the 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 scum of the earth all. All gathered in Azerbaijan, and 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 that that behooves the question: Is Azerbaijan even using its own forces, its its own men? Yeah, and that was another question
0: that you know I had written down is like, you know, you have all these people coming in from everywhere, right? And you know, for the record, you know, on a bit of a positive note, like the I always say the genocide wasn't completed; it didn't succeed. Yes, we lost millions of people, but. We've survived, right? We're what, nearly 10 million plus Armenians around the entire world. Right, 7 million in diaspora
1: and roughly 3 million in Armenian Artsakh combined.
0: But the problem is, you know, you just said those numbers, is a majority of our Armenians aren't in Armenia, right? They're in places like France, Lebanon, Syria, Iran, Russia, right? America, they're around the world and so they can't be there. That was one of the negative things about the genocide is that we all got dispersed. Sure, we've continued our lives. Sure, we support Armenia, but we're not physically there. And so now you have Azerbaijan backed up by Turkish folks or the Turkish government who is there, right? Their people are there fighting. They have more money. They have more money coming from America and Israel and the biggest powers in the world. They're a little little country, right? Like this little, like Artsakh, right? In my opinion, Artsakh is just kind of the scapegoat for Turkey to go to Armenia and fight there or to just end what they began 105 years ago. Right? So like, What's the reason for all this? I mean, you said it. I mean, like Artsakh is this like small little land of mostly highlands. You know, I think it translates to Black Highlands, right? Nagorno-Karabakh. Right, Black uh, Black Garden. Black Garden. Excuse yeah. me. Um, it's like, what is? What are they fighting for? Why are these Syrian mercenaries agreeing to go and lose their lives, or Turkish folks going, losing their lives, or
1: these you know folks coming from? Around? Like, what's the point? You, you you know the 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 fact that. And they know, the Azeris know, that Armenians have lived on that land for millennia, and, and, um, and they're tied to the land. They're one with the land, and they can't accept that. They can't accept the fact that, that there are you know hundreds of churches and monasteries uh, on the land of Artsakh, that you have, you have one of the most ancient uh, monastic educational complexes in the world, uh, and that's the Monastery um, of Amaras, uh, where Mesrop Mashtots, uh, uh, the founder of the Armenian alphabet, has also taught at. Right. You have you have these historical relics. You have lush lush uh, uh, rivers and 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 forests and highlands. You you've got. I mean, it's it's really an ethereal place. I haven't been personally yeah. to, to, but. Everything I've read about it, the the photos I've seen and people I've talked to, uh, people who, who go to Artsakh, who've, you know, who've been going for hiking purposes, right? And who, and who have to be careful about not straying off the trail because there are, there are mines, there are munitions, um, if you do stray off the trail. Um, those mines were left by Azerbaijani forces during the 1990s war when they retreated. Uh, and And they're still active. And they're still, some of them are still active. The Halo Trust has done a, a, a tremendous job in, in clearing mines. Uh, but there's still there's still more mines there, and, and the U.S. government has been generous over the years uh, to provide funding to, uh, through USAID to the Halo Trust uh, to clean up as many mines as possible. You know, God God knows God knows you know what will happen. You know, because right now, Stefanagerd, the capital city, uh, Shushi, the second largest city, and other towns like Hadrut. And Marduni are, are being bombed to smithereens. They're being bombed by cluster munitions, which, uh, which were purchased, uh, mainly from Israel by Azerbaijan. And, and these cluster munitions are, um, uh, are uh, against the convent. The, there's a convention. There's an international treaty that bans the use of cluster munitions <laughs> on civilian populations. Now, the Azeris are using it on soldiers as well. Uh, but they're, they're heavily using it on civilian populations. We know this because there's video documented evidence of, of them using it on Stepanagird, right. um, And we know it because of the remnants of, of these munitions. Um, it's horrific, them using this. You know, they're using yeah. ballistic missiles and quasi-ballistic missiles on civilian populated areas. That is outrageous. And that is something that our government, um, that that should be a red line for for our government. For the when you tru- say our US. U.S. U.S. government, that should be a red line for... The international community, the use of, of such ballistic missiles that they're that they're doing right now, the Laura ballistic missile also purchased from Israel, using that on civilian populated areas, totally outrageous, must be banned. Uh, and 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 the seller, you know, the the companies, the entities, uh, quasi governmental uh, defense uh, uh, military defense uh, contractors, they they must stop selling this stuff to Azerbaijan uh, because they're certainly they're not using it strictly. Uh, for warfare purposes, they're using it on civilian populations.
2: You know, you mentioned um, the historical evidence of the land and, and you know, the, our churches and all the stuff that exists. And uh, I think it's important kind of going, not to jump around too much, but kind of going back to, you know, 1918 when Stalin, as I understand, 1921, 1921 illegally um, under his rules, which this guy's a dictator who's responsible for the death of, I don't know, millions of people, um, gifts this land to Azerbaijan i don't, I'm trying to understand are they trying to say that that is the reason why this land is theirs, or absolutely. are they trying to say that historically absolutely it's that's
1: that for them that's their argument mm-hmm. it's that carte this was, it's ours. right right and and never mind that you know you've got one of the world's you know history's worst dictators imaginable <laughs> doing that deed oh you know uh he did it, we accepted and and therefore right it's 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 over it's final and and you know, you, are, you have usurped, you Armenians, that's their argument, you've usurped our territory, our land, you know, despite the fact that, um, in, you know, over time in the 1930s, Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, the Nagorno-Karabakh Autonomous Oblast or Autonomous Region was actually recognized by the Soviet authorities. It became an autonomous region within the borders of Soviet Azerbaijan. Um, and so by, by doing that, Soviet Azerbaijan still had quite a bit of influence on on uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, um, uh, but yet they had they had a level of autonomy. Right now, Nakhichevan also was in a similar situation. In Nakhichevan, with respect to demographics, the Azeris were were much more successful in in um, uh, getting rid of the Armenian population during the Soviet era. In Artsakh, they weren't they weren't able to do so uh, as successfully. What was ninety five percent Armenian uh, when the Soviet Union was formed ended up being seventy five percent at the end. And like I said uh, a, a few minutes ago, so so they they tried they tried to Turkify that region to to make it majority Turkic Azerbaijani and they they failed and um and now what they're trying to do is pure and, and simple ethnic cleansing. You know why isn't Armenia? I mean, or why didn't Armenia just take Artsakh under its country why isn't it just one country yeah i mean that was that was the slogan at the time Atsum, right unity uh that was the slogan of the armenian uh, national movement back in the late 80s and early 90s um that w- that was the will of the people diplomatically you know Ar- armenia became independent um just like Artsakh mm-hmm. uh in 1991 Artsakh held a referendum for its own independence which which was pursuant to the uh uh, to the Soviet Constitution at the time, so they did everything in a legal in a legal manner. Uh, they held a nationwide referendum. Majority of the people said, "Yes, we want independence. We want independence, not from not, from Soviet the Soviet Union. Union." Yes, we want independence from the Soviet Union, um, and and so, be, but but that precipitated the 1991 war with Azerbaijan. So mm. as soon as that happened. You know, Azerbaijan started attacking, and that war lasted until 1994. The ceasefire was signed, uh, and, the, and the signers were Armenia, Artsakh, and Azerbaijan. Three signers right. on, on the ceasefire agreement. Ceasefire's been, you know, tenuous since 1994. Uh, the Azerbaijanis violate the ceasefire, and they've been violating it for many, many years. They violate it at the border by sniping, by, by shooting at Who enforces the ceasefire? The OSCE Minsk Group enforces it. OSCE Minsk Group consists of three co-chairs, the United States, Russia, and France. Um, and they have a they have an observer mission uh, that that goes to the border, uh, goes to both the Armenia-Azerbaijan internationally recognized border, but also the the Artsakh-Azerbaijan border. They've been doing it for years. The only thing is they don't have enough human power uh, in the, in the OSCE. And so my question is, yeah. where is
2: the UN in all this?
1: Yeah, well, the UN, the UN actually the has... Yeah, the UN has not been... Uh, the UN platform has not been favorable for Armenians over the years on, on the Nagorno-Karabakh question. Uh, the Azeris were, uh, were able to uh, muster support from uh, uh, seasoned Turkish diplomats uh, and, and other co-religionists uh, to, to get um, four uh, anti-Armenian resolutions uh, approved by the UN General Assembly. Whose president is Turkish. The current, yes, the current, uh, president of the general, of the general assembly is, is, uh, ethnically, a, a Turk. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that, but that's a, you know, there's a limited. Great timing. Yeah. The time, the timing couldn't, couldn't be, couldn't be better for them. Um, but, but the, you know what? To, to the, uh, credit of, uh, General Secretary, uh, Guterres, uh, you know, he's come out forcefully, uh, and he came out, you know, when COVID started, he came out and he, he let the world know, you know now's the time for unity um and we should not we should not be uh, uh allowing for any you know skirmishes flare-ups or wars from taking place now uh, this is the worst time that, that that anything like that can happen and and what do we see we see the July flare-up the July uh 2020 flare-up in Tavush uh started by Azerbaijan supported by Turkey now we're seeing this massive war this massive attack again initiated by Azerbaijan uh with with turkish military officers in command and control uh you know uh, responsibilities and, and do you
2: think it's i mean just a coincidence that it happened at this time in the middle of a global it's, pandemic it's not, it's the us is going yeah. through an election it's like
1: this was clearly well planned uh and 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 it's fair to say that it was it was it was likely planned before july even the july the july attack on tabush was was planned i there's there's little doubt of that planned with turkish and azeri Forces testing the Republic of Armenia, testing that that section of the Republic of Armenia, the Tavush section. Uh, and then the, the next step of that, which was the joint live fire exercises on various parts of Armenia's border, that was well planned. That was that was that was the desired outcome um, and uh, of of the July flare-up. And then that that those exercises precipitated this war. Why? There is satellite evidence showing that. Uh, a lot of the uh, the military material uh, we're talking about weapon systems uh, anti-aircraft systems uh, jets F16 jets a lot of that stayed on Azeri territory Turkey never never flew them back never ter- never flew them back to Turkey there's there's documented satellite evidence showing that stuff stayed on Azeri soil and and F16s are being used in this war Turkish F16s that's something that will have to be uh, reviewed by 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 uh, lawyers international lawyers and and uh, and scholars uh, Jeffrey and, and Robertson,
0: I'm sure, is going to be on it soon.
1: He came out with a great, great op-ed the other day in the Australian uh, newspaper uh, defending the rights to the basic human rights of Armenians in Artsakh, um, uh, their right to you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, something that we here mm-hmm. in the U.S. cherish, uh, something that the Artsakhs, people of Artsakh, uh, have always cherished. Um, and, yet, and yet, you know, uh, with impunity, Turkey and Azerbaijan are trying to prevent – you know, those those cherished ideals from... And the U.S.
2: is doing nothing and, to... And,
1: and unfortunately, unlike, unlike during the Wilson era and, and you know, with, with the president at the time, Woodrow Wilson and Henry Morgenthau and other leaders, uh, Herbert Hoover at the time, who was the head of the U.S. Food Administration, tremendously helpful to get food aid to Armenian survivors uh, and refugees throughout the Middle East and, and, in, and in Armenia, uh, later became president. Um, you know, those were those were statesmen. They came through. They came through for a, a vulnerable minority, um, and not just for Armenians, Greeks, Assyrians, Maronites. A lot of people were were suffering at the time at, uh, because of uh, Ottoman dispossession uh, from their homelands. But now we're looking for for that leadership, and and you know what do we have? We have an isolationist foreign policy, right? Uh, America first, and and I'm not I'm not discouraging that. I'm not downplaying it. But you know, you could walk and chew gum at the same time. You could you could be very, very much you know America first. Let's you know let's build our you know roadways and infrastructure. Let's you know let's you know work on work on reducing you know the cost of pharmaceuticals. Let's you know let's let's reform our uh, our uh, you know criminal justice system. All that's great, right? Great. Let's keep taxes low. Right. Fantastic. But it doesn't but mean you know to ignore everything else yeah, that's going but on. Don't in the ignore world. what's happening in the world, and certainly don't. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because it's already it. Don't encourage it and don't, and don't roll out the red carpet for megalomaniacs like Erdogan, which is right. exactly what happened right. in northern Syria with respect to uh, the, the Kurds who were living there, partners of the United States, uh, allies in the fight to rid, I- to rid ISIS from the region, to rid al-Qaeda from the region. The Kurds did a tremendous job working with, with U.S. forces. And what do we do? We basically abandon them by rolling out the red carpet for Erdogan to to make a military incursion into two provinces in Syria, Idlib province and the region of Afrin. That's where they're they're recruiting these jihadists from.
0: Talk about this guy for a second. I mean, Erdogan, right? I mean, most people might have not heard of Azerbaijan or Artsakh for more than that, right? Maybe not even Armenia. Hopefully at this point, you know, our listeners have heard of Armenia. They live in the United States. They've probably met an Armenian. But everyone knows Turkey, Right, Everyone knows where Turkey is, who the leadership is. Talk about Erdogan, right? this guy who's a self-- proclaimed president, but is more caliph, so a self-proclaimed right, caliph right, exactly. Yeah. but you know a few months ago, and I don't remember exactly, but he literally said that he's going to continue what his ancestors began, right? Talk to us about that situation and how this fight, this war, is truly the re is, is truly because turkey wants it to happen not azerbaijan not afghanistan and the people there not isis but turkey
1: absolutely i mean you're you're spot on Narcissus. um er- erdogan uh, has been a bad actor in the region uh for several years um and he he has been he's been trying to get rid of enemies both domestically and uh and uh also foreign enemies um and he succeeded to a certain degree uh because because other countries have have left left it unchecked have left him unchecked um they have they have they have not exhibited the uh the stick it's been too many carrots for erdogan not enough not enough of the stick um and 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 you know this is happening you know erdogan er, the turkish economy is is you know spiraling downwards uh in terms of um yeah especially with the, in the covid era they've lost tremendous revenue uh streams they've they've they have um they have a huge population over 80 million people right and um and compared to, the, armenia's, c- three. Compared to armenia's 3 million uh, so they 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 have so many european companies uh especially have have pulled out of turkey over over the, basically since the failed coup that took place and what was the primary in, in partnership or
2: or export oil right
1: well, well, Tur- Turkey, Turkey actually is a textile. Tool. Is they, yeah, they have a huge oh, textile industry, but they have a huge uh, uh, defense, uh, military industrial complex uh, uh, industry in uh, there, where they're now because of because of the uh, the largesse of the United States, especially allowing for so many Turkish students to study in the United States since the Truman Doctrine came into into being, 1952. Um, uh, since Turkey became part of NATO. Um, so many, so many, uh, students have come studying the U S higher degrees in engineering and, and, and business in all kinds of fields have gone back and have contributed tremendously to the Turkish economy and to, and certainly to the Turkish defense industry. I, I, I mention that, um, because, because that, that is, that is critical for Turkey, Turkey, um, uh, huge, huge population, uh, but as far as, as, far as the oil, oil industry is concerned, they're more of a conduit. Right. So they're, not a, they're an oil distributor. They're not an oil producer. Azerbaijan and some of the other, other Caspian littoral countries are oil producers like Kazakhstan. Um, some are natural gas producers like Turkmenistan. Azerbaijan has both. They, so they supply, for example, 40% today of Israel's oil imports. That's a factor keep, uh, to keep in mind as to why the relationship between Azerbaijan and Israel that's one, is, is so good. It's, that's one of the factors. Uh, Israel gets to sell billions of dollars worth of, of drones uh, and, and cluster munitions, uh, Allura ballistic missiles uh, to Azerbaijan. At the same time, Azerbaijan you know, uh, has a, a very good market there um, uh, for its oil uh, and then at the same time, you know, Azerbaijan serves as a as a listening post uh, because of its contiguous border with Iran. Listening post to Israel, uh, you know, Iran is certainly uh, enemy number one uh, for for Tel Aviv. So, uh, but I digress because we were talking about Erdogan. Erdogan, you know, he's trying he's trying to to redraw the map of the Middle East, and and he and he's doing it because he had he's been given the license to be one of the regional policemen. He's, he was by given who? that license by the Trump administration because of our isolation policy, because we want to pull back, we want to pull out of the Middle East, Middle East wars, right? Yeah, I mean, who, who doesn't want to end right. wars? We want to we, you know end, end the endless wars, right? right. Um, that's, that's an ideal goal. But at the same time, you have to do it responsibly. You have to do it, like, you can't just, you can't just abandon your Kurdish allies and say, okay, we're going to have your arch enemy Erdogan and his and the military enter into northern Syria, which is a violation of Syria's territorial integrity and sovereignty. But we're going to just allow you guys to make an incursion, and 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 we're just going to go and guard the oil fields in northern Syria instead. You do have U.S. troops still in northern Syria mm-hmm. uh, for that specific purpose. Um, but look, it's an abdication uh, of of our. Uh, of our interventionist policy, it's a dereliction of duty. I think to allow Turkey to to just have carte blanche over northern Syria, to have to allow Turkey to continue to bomb villages in Kurdistan in northern Iraq, to allow Turkey to uh, uh, prop up a a strongman in Libya, the current Libyan regime, uh, and 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 to allow and, and to allow Turkey to export mercenaries to Libya. To fight that dirty war, it's 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 a dereliction of duty to allow Turkey and Erdogan to uh, dispute uh, energy resources in the Eastern Mediterranean. Clearly, these resources are demarcated in Cyprus's and Greece's uh, uh, areas uh, uh, of, uh, uh, of of their borders, basically of their of their uh, of their sea rights. Um, so. You know, Tur- Turkey is, is is running roughshod in the entire region, and they think nobody can stop them. Well, you know, there there have there has been some movement though, and I'll give I'll give Secretary Pompeo credit here. Um, he's I think he's seeing the writing on the wall, and uh, and he's working uh, closely with uh, with Greece and Cyprus, um, especially uh, to. Uh, Try to try to have a uh, a favorable resolution for that for them uh, on the energy resources matter in the Eastern Mediterranean. He's asked the Turks and, and the Greeks to come and and start negotiating. Uh, but but you you could tell that um, he's he's not happy with with uh, uh, Turkey's power projection in in that in that part of the world. So Turkey's trying to project power everywhere. Right. And and now sounds south- a lot like the Ottoman, Ottoman south- sounds like, uh, like the Ottoman Empire. Sounds like like the Ottoman Empire. Sounds lot like the young Turkish triumvirate. Right. They're trying to project power um, now over the past few weeks uh, in the South Caucasus region, specifically over, over the mountainous Karabal, the Artsakh right. uh, region. And, it's, uh, and, and unless unless statesmen and stateswomen come together and, and tell Turkey there, there will be consequences for this because there clearly is genocidal intent with, with the, the, the scope of the bombing that's happening right, right. now in Artsakh and and the fact that civilians um are targeted uh in, in such a hateful way right um and incessantly bombing these uh these civilian areas uh there's no doubt that it's it's a campaign of terror that's that's predicated uh on genocidal intent is there any concern
0: for armenia i mean they're right by artsakh and ultimately i think turkey in my opinion wants to go there but yeah. right now what's the level extreme, of concern extreme concern. For Armenia?
1: extreme concern um, look uh, everyone's on pins and needles in Armenia certainly uh, you know everyone's supporting supporting the, the the men and women who are at the at the front lines um, there's no question about that you could see you could see it uh, this week when Prime Minister Pashinyan uh, called for uh, uh, the, the the young men um, who had who had just completed their two-year uh, compulsory service in in the military when he called, uh, that, uh, class, that class who had just completed it, and that included his own son to, uh, to head to the front. Um, and from what I'm hearing, the overwhelming majority from that, from that class said, yes, we, uh, we hear your call and we're heading to the front. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a sense of, of, um, of, of outrage, certainly, at, at, at the atrocities that are happening. But, but it's important to remember Armenia itself has been hit. Uh, the region of, uh, uh, just south of Lake Seban, the town of Vartenis, and villages around Vartenis have been hit. Two civilians have been killed. Uh, civilians have been injured. Um, and then a Turkish F-16 uh, on the Azerbaijani side of the border, um, so sort of east of Vartenis, shot down an Armenian jet that was flying over Armenian airspace, um, you know that is that is totally uncalled for that is that's something that needs to be reviewed you know in, in terms of u.s export licenses the u.s exports f16s to Turkey it it needs to be carefully looked at you know the terms the license uh, the licenses term the 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 export permits terms in, in in with respect to where you can actually use your f16 jets is it on the territory of Turkey strictly? Is it to guard Turkey's own borders, right? Or is it to, or or, or are you allowed to use it in any theater? And in this case, Azerbaijan's borders, with, which are nowhere near Turkey's own mm-hmm. borders, so um, there there is documented evidence that there are F sixteen jets, Turkish F sixteen jets, um, at uh, at a military airbase um, in in uh, in Ganja, Azerbaijan. Uh, there's there's this evidence is now on you know all over social media uh thanks to some in, intrepid reporters of uh the new york times investigation team that came out with uh with with imagery with satellite imagery and and with uh with regular photos as well um so this is a, this is a deeper story this is a story that will will involve some sleuthing and it it will involve um some some sharp-minded attorneys as well to figure out does turkey have have that right to, to fly their F16 jets. Azerbaijan doesn't have F16s in its in its arsenal. Right. Turkey does. But you mm-hmm. know when it comes to the media and the and
0: not only just the United States and American media but global media, why should anybody besides Armenians care? Right? And I ask that obviously tongue in cheek because I'm Armenian and I care and I know why, but you know, you have other matters like right? Black Lives Matter, this movement that just happened a few months ago because of, you know, Black Citizens and people being killed by cops, right? You've had all these different social justice movements throughout the years. You've had civil rights movements, right? You've had just other political movements that happen as a result of you know crises, etc., etc. But it touches you, right? Like you feel it on your skin because you live here or you know somebody. But why does this matter to the global community? Why should it be talked about, and why isn't it
1: being talked about at the scale that it should be talked about? Great questions. You know this is this is a matter of, of of humanity. it's a this is a universal matter. This is not just an armenia-centric Azerbaijan-centric matter. this is this is a matter of of of, of pure human rights and and the, and the violation of of a, of a nation's human rights to live uh, freely to to live on their own land uh, as they as they see fit. Uh, this is also an assault on democracy, and as Prime Minister Pashinian mentioned, Armenia has undergone a democratic transformation uh, since since 2018. Um, and and they you know they've done a tremendous job in, in improving uh, you know their their record on um, you know uh, demonopolization uh, going after corrupt uh, oligarchs and 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 uh, ending their influence and ending ending any kind of monopolies uh, with respect to imports of certain commodities uh, go, going after uh, government officials who are involved in corrupt activities and ridding them um, from from their Hurches. So you've, you've got, you've had some successes there, uh, in Armenia, uh, and, and the prime minister, uh, and his team have been, uh, you know, uh, showered with praise, uh, by, not just by world leaders, but by Time magazine and the economist magazine and, you know, prominent publications that, that, you know, have, have called Armenia in the country of the year, for example, in, uh, for 2018. Um, and Armenia has a, you know, has a, ha, had in December 2018, a free and fair and transparent, uh, election of its parliament. Um and and things were going very well, generally speaking, in Armenia. It Was improving. And things were getting better. Things were better. improving, and and not just not just on the governance, uh, uh you know, so. realm, but especially with respect to the economy and, and Armenia's, uh, technological, hmm. uh, right. transformation as a tech hub in that region. Um, I mean, you know, there have been tech conferences. Uh, the world. Um, uh. uh Te, you know, WITC conference was last year World
2: tech conference, I think.
1: Right in October of 20, 2019 that was you know there were back to back conferences in Armenia with respect to tech and the environment, um, and so Armenia, you know, was getting a lot of attention. In the international community, and they had high-profile people attending these conferences uh, from all over the world. Pat was there last year too, so that's high-profile. I had oh, a yeah. chance to
2: visit Armenia. That's the highest
0: uh, profile for those that don't know. That's the highest profile. <laughs> Absolutely, but
2: I, I felt it. I felt it when I was there because you know, hearing about. Um, I was born here, so I, I had never had a chance to go to Armenia until last year, um, and you know, just kind of hearing about uh, how things were from the government to just kind of the whole nature of the state um, and how things changed when, you know, um, like you said, like these people in power that were corrupt were, you know, um, left office. And, I mean, you just felt the, 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 I don't know, the light when you were there. You with saw, the you felt the energy. Positive energy, positive vibes. Um, you know,
1: you, and, 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 and it's not just the tech sector. The, I mean, it was, it was happening with, with Hospitality, news. tourism. Uh, hospitality, yeah. innovations in, in different sectors. Um, uh, agriculture. Uh, you, and and then you had you had uh, over the last decade you had uh, Armenian uh, Armenians from Syria for example mm-hmm. who were who you know roughly twenty five thousand of them ended up uh, as refugees in Armenia. Um, they've been contributing tremendously to the economy, especially to the service sector, and just you know bringing a, a different level of know how to the Armenian economy. Right. Um, and 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 especially when it comes to customer service, like none other, really, really. Excellent customer service, the Syrian Armenians, and now you had Lebanese Armenians, uh, especially uh, because of the dire economic situation over the past couple of years right. in Lebanon, um, moving to Armenia, and and certainly in August after the the horrific explosion there, you 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 also had more people moving to Armenia from Lebanon, you know, and you and Armenians become a magnet. Armenians become a magnet um, for for various various uh, interests and sectors, right. and. Believe you me, our adversaries, Armenia's adversaries, have been noticing that they've been noticing the attention Armenia's getting, the attention they're getting in the media. Forbes magazine, for a while, was publishing an Armenia-related article like for several weeks in a row. There was right. something, at least one thing, Armenia-related, and it had to do with you know an invention or a new innovation. Right. Uh, you know, Rob and the robot, you you name it. I mean, Armenia was and and continues to be uh, very highly regarded. Um, in, in the in the you know in the commercial in various commercial and, and tech yeah. uh, industries and aside but, from
2: yeah aside from there being essentially a war on land which I use that term loosely because it's not really a war when it's like a David and Goliath situation where there's you know yeah. uh, 150,000 people in that region being protected by its neighboring country um, Armenia right which has 3 million people against 100, 100, 100 plus, people. Yeah. well including yeah. Turkey 100 million Turkey people yeah Almost Rough, 100, roughly 100, 100 million. Yeah, but and, but, but and
1: and the jihadists now on top of that.
2: On top of that, and so we literally
1: don't give a shit about. Dying. And so, but aside from that, that's
2: literally why they're called jihadists. There's also right. a cyber war going on right now where Absolutely. Um, the 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 information that's being spread, like we've seen in the last week, several high-profile celebrities post about what's going on Cardi and B, then Cardi B, Alton, B Elton John, John and then the take
1: Kardashians the, yeah, well, well
2: the thing is they, Nas today yeah. but then take down those posts because they're being bombarded by you know Azeri um trolls quote-unquote or bots, bots or whatever yeah. these are um that you know they're saying you know they're just got their t- comment sections being bombarded and they they're, now they're confused like oh what, did I, what am I doing and so they take it down and so but the problem is you know um we know that Azerbaijan, they're, they're controlling the narrative in their own country, right? They're not There's allowing like, outside reporters it, to come in. and
1: Only, only, only vetted reporters, and m- many of them are uh, early on, early on in the war, uh, you had Turkish reporters already embedded mm-hmm. on the Azeri side of the border, uh, TRT. Uh, which is one of the major government-run uh, broadcasters in Turkey? They actually had coverage within the first hour that the war started. I mean, they the knew it was happening. Yeah. yeah, they knew. I mean, everything that was all part of the part right. of the planning. Um, but but you know, over time, they've allowed uh, certain certain uh, reporters uh, from from international media, like France 24, for example. France 24 in the early days of, of the war, and I say early days, I mean we're in like, like the twelfth like day. Yeah, but France 24 was giving extremely positive Armenian coverage. And, and something must have happened where the, uh, you know, Azeris and Turks probably ganged up on, on, the, on the, uh, the producers and the management of France 24 and said, hey, you know what, um, you know, send someone, send someone here and report from our side of the border. Um, and God knows what kind of promises were made to them as well. Who knows? Um, right. But, you know, and so, so, you know, that's what they did. They, they got France 24 to come and, and cover from their side. Um, and and now there's this there's this false equivocation now between the Goliaths, right, mm-hmm. that you mentioned, Pat, and and the Davids. In this case, the, the Armenians of Artsakh and and of Armenia are the Davids, uh, and you know there 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 cannot be any equivocation here because Armenians are in a defensive position. They're right. trying to defend their territory. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not trying to take over new territory. That's mm-hmm. not part of the game plan. Right. Um, Yazeris, they're all about offense, offense, uh, and destruction, and mm-hmm. and 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 they're they to the extent where they're destroying Shushi, which to them also has symbolism. Which oh, is the land symbolism. that
2: they're claiming is theirs.
1: Sh- Shushi <laughs> is the cultural capital of of Artsakh for Armenians. It's the cultural capital has always been for Az- Azerbaijanis in the Soviet era. Shushi was one of their one of their cultural capitals. Mm-hmm. They had a, a tremendous uh, um, interests. And 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 a lot of Azeris actually in Karabakh during the Soviet era lived in in Shushi, um, and and guess what? Last few days, you know, as if Stepanager is not enough, the capital's not enough. They're bombarding Shushi like none other. I, I don't and, get
2: it. Do they want to destroy everything and then like claim the land and rebuild it? Claim,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose claim the land uh and and god knows wh- what they want to do with it um it's it's uh, well we know we know they want to they want to do what they successfully did in Nakhichevan and and that was rid the armenian population first and then um you know the this an amazing cemetery w- with thousands of armenian cross stones um in in uh, Julfa um right across the river from Iran uh, they did a scorched earth policy. The Azeri government and mil- military. There was not a single khachkar, not a single cross stone left erect. Everything was was removed, and, and we're talking about uh, you know people's graves there. You know the khachkar was is on top of a grave, so they have removed everything, and that's now a military staging ground. And that and that right there is is man- a manifestation of their ultimate intent which is to to get rid of any trace of Armenian cultural heritage mm-hmm. so it's not enough to get rid of the people they, wanna, they want true. to they want to they want to erase any trace of of Armenian heritage in in Artsakh as as they've already successfully done in Nakhichevan I mean it's
2: it's out there if, if, it's crazy because it's like really out there when you just search it like Posh mentioned there's video of Erdogan saying that they want to finish what their ancestors started. There's yeah. a tweet on Twitter um, that president Aliyev has tweeted in 2015 saying that Armenia doesn't even deserve to be a, a colony, let alone a servant. Like it, what, yeah. what more do you want? What more do you want? Is, is the and, question. And, and they've,
1: and actually that, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of, um, of talk and it's coming from the top down Um that, that, you know, totally racist, chauvinist type of, of, uh, of um, sentiment towards Armenians, that is actually being taught at a young age to Azerbaijanis. Right. As young as kindergartners are mm-hmm. taught to hate Armenians. There's documented video evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, my organization, the Armenian Assembly of America, uh, and many, many Armenian groups, we've presented that to the U.S. government, that, look, this is happening Right now, in the 21st century, this kind of education of youth, this should not be happening anywhere. You know, we should we should be you know, kindergarteners should be learning you know uh, how to tie their shoes and and, and 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 new songs and you know how to, how to you know write ABC. They should not be learning that you know your enemy mm-hmm. for your entire life. It's sad. You would the think Armenian the people.
2: the advent of the internet and social media and, and something that brings the whole world closer together would help that cause, but it's it's actually. I mean, they're they're completely just completely like cutting it off inside the region, so they don't have access to that information.
1: You're, you're right. They've and 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 tellingly, they've cut off uh, from the start of the war. They cut off Facebook and. Um, I think he only kept Twitter, uh, and they kept they kept Twitter. They cut off Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and uh, and Twitter, but Twitter Twitter was left yeah. because they could control the narrative. They there. could control. The, they could try to control the narrative, and, and also, according to some reports that I read, uh, there are there are uh, Twitter troll factories in Russia, <laughs> um, which I'm not surprised. Know, which, you know, they, they'll they'll be happy to serve right. any anyone who's paying them well. Right. And Azerbaijan certainly has the revenue to do so.
0: Miran, you know, for me, I, I've been thinking a lot about a lot of things, obviously. But one of the things I've been thinking about is the fact that, you know, for almost a century, you know, as the Armenian diasporans, we focused a lot on genocide recognition. And, you know, especially in the United States, because the United States... Is almost like a moral leader for the rest of the world You know, it's almost as if If we do something, we expect The rest of the world will follow But we achieved that In some sort of sense In late 2019 when the House and Senate You know, passed that resolution Of course, the President really hasn't mentioned anything And that's fine, we all know the truth But will the recognition of Artsakh Or has the recognition of Artsakh become a priority or will it become a priority because it sounds it like now. it is now of course but like you know what's being done on that front sure we're fighting this war both you know financially we're supporting you know armenians in Artsakh and, and armenia we're trying to send aid we're trying to get political leaders trying to get you know celebrities influencers etc to talk about it but more importantly i mean people don't even know what Artsakh is right i mean frankly right. a lot of people didn't even
1: know what armenians were recently it's, it's and and you know plain jane it's a it's a representative democracy artsakh and it has been since since the 1991 referendum uh, it's had s- successive governments it had it's had uh, a peaceful transition of power uh and and that goes for the parliament uh, the unicameral parliament and also uh for the presidency the executive branch um it is it is also uh very welcoming of tourists and and despite the fact that uh you know azeris have blacklisted all kinds of tourists over the years including anthony bourdain uh, and and uh, and others who have made their way to to Artsakh, um, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous that you know if they've got this blacklist. A lot of non Armenians are on it. Everyone who's on it practically are people who visited Artsakh. Right. Uh, and then and then you have at the same time, you know, this this discriminatory chauvinist policy of Azerbaijan, where anyone who's who faintly uh, you know is Armenian or has an Armenian surname. And and you know someone like Henrik Mkhitaryan, the soccer player, right. uh, you know who who wants to go with his team to Azerbaijan to compete, he's he's you know he's not allowed to go, uh, for fear of his own life, uh, because of threats that are made to such high rank you know high profile Armenians, um, and and then and then you have you know just business delegations, and they may have an Armenian in it, right? A business delegation from. From a former Soviet country for example and, and everyone in that group is allowed to enter Baku And that person is <laughs> stuck at the airport And has to go back on the next flight I mean it's that high It's that, almost as if they're living in like
0: 1902 I mean like I mean, it's like
2: yeah. we're in 2020 well, Also an, another telling sign is that I've seen very high profile people um, Come out against Like not I'm saying profile high profile Like Turkish people and Azeri people Come out against their own Government and their own people, which I don't, you don't see from Armenians. I mean, it's the total opposite. It's like you want, if you, if 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 you're critical of it, it's because you just want something that's better for the country. But f- for example, someone like Enes Kanter, who's the basketball player, sure. has been very vocal about, um, you know, how evil. Um, Erdogan is, and yes. he's suffered from he that. He and his family, yes. He and his family have suffered from that too, and so I, I mean, it's just a very telling sign when, you know, someone um, gains some sort of notoriety um, from those countries and then just speaks out because they have a platform where otherwise they're just sort of brainwashed in the country and are scared or afraid to speak out because they don't have a platform.
1: Yeah, and and, and I agree, Pat. Uh, you know, plaudits to Enos Cantor and, and other dissidents um, you know, from various uh, professional disciplines who Who have spoken out uh, against the Erdogan regime and and its uh, heavy handedness uh, towards uh, minorities in the country uh, and also towards uh, people in the opposition? Um, You know, you've got you've got uh, the Kurdish, uh, uh, mainly Kurdish uh, Democratic Party, the the HDP, um, and you know the Erdogan regime uh, has you know uh, you know on trumped up charges have has you know. Uh, incarcerated many of their of their leaders and garo pailan the armenian mm-hmm. member of parliament is is also part of the hdp uh and his i mean i fear for his life i you know his his life is in danger they're trying to right now the the turkish prosecutor's office in ankara is trying to strip his immunity mm-hmm. his parliamentary immunity so that they can literally go after him like they did with an um so uh, there's definitely uh you know in terms of uh in in terms of Turkey as an autocracy—it's—it's—it's it's, it's certainly becoming a lot worse uh, under Erdogan, and um, I think ultimately his goal—his goal is to—to uh, to survive uh, through 1922. Uh, I'm sorry, through 2022, because that will be the year of the hundredth anniversary of the Tur- of the Turkish Republic, and I think at the end of the day, he wants to be at the helm at the time uh, to tell his people that look look, look where we have reached over the past century, right? They, you know, the, the notion that, you know, they, uh, they, meaning the powers that be back in, in the early 1900s, uh, tried to, you know, you know, uh, dissolve the Ottoman empire and, right. and were successful in, in, to a certain extent. Uh, but look, look how we have, uh, look how we have prospered since then, uh, over the past century. And I, you know, me at the helm right um i will i will continue to lead it's almost like an
0: ego thing
1: totally totally egocentric and 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 but but tinged with uh islamist uh you know uh uh, is islamist uh, underpinnings he he sees himself as you know the caliph right god's chosen one Uh, islam islam's chosen leader uh and that uh you know other other countries that have where the uh islamic faith is practiced should rally around him well a lot of a lot of countries actually don't don't see eye to eye with him uh in, a lot uh, of uh, countries, the islamic say, yeah. yeah they don't they do not i so, mean islam
0: is a peaceful religion just like Christianity, absolutely. i mean like i remember when i went to law school i had a lot of these friends from different religious groups different ethnicities and i mean we didn't give a shit frankly i mean like we all got along i mean we all wanted just to be peaceful and be free and have our own thought and opinions and stuff and so even now a lot of them reach out to me who are muslim who are jewish who are anything in between And it's just more so like a human issue i mean like right. nobody cares especially in our generation the younger generation nobody cares about the religious you know underlying issues that exist i mean people are like wow we know an armenian we like you we don't care what we are you know you're black you're mexican we all get along we don't give a shit
1: but erdogan's trying to change that narrative which is impossible right now he's trying he's trying so so the 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 war arts war of liberation in the 1990s was was not one of of uh Christianity versus Islam. It was a, it was a territorial war right. uh, where Armenians were defending their, their territory uh, where, you know, where, where their fa- families and, and uh, you know, the, the people of, of that region have lived for, for centuries. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is that, that, uh, that now, now with, with the, the confluence of, you know, these various forces, uh, you know, jihadist forces, Mujahideen now from Afghanistan, and and Erdogan's own uh pan-islamic tendencies as well so not just pan-turkic but pan-islamic he is trying to change that narrative whether or not he'll succeed you know that will depend on you know whether whether the international community will step up and and keep him in check right now what's happening in armenia i mean they're armenian artsakh are defending themselves without any help from the outside world you know um yes they purchase russian you know military material and and Russian weapon systems, and but so does Azerbaijan right. from Russia. So, uh, but Azerbaijan's also purchasing uh, weapon systems from Turkey and from Israel and from South Korea and from Ukraine, uh, and they also have support from practically the entire country of Pakistan is is behind is behind Azerbaijan, which is which is an interesting dynamic in and of itself because on social media, at least, you see a lot of people in India who are you know you know, saying all kinds of really nice things about Armenia. Um, uh, You know, it's, it's all moral support for now. Although I do know that the small Indian community in Armenia, mainly students who are studying at the medical university and and other universities, they've really stepped up from some of the, some of the articles I have read, the Indian community in Armenia, they are, they are making um, food for refugees from Artsakh who've ended up in Armenia uh, for, 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 you know, pe- people who've had to uh, families who've had to take in a lot of refugees, uh, and all of a sudden they're like, "Well, we used to prepare dinner for four people, five people every night. Now we have, you know, we got to prepare for like twelve people." Like, so the Indian community, hats off uh, the Indian community in Armenia, tremendous job, just coming together and just small things, nice right. gestures like that. Um, they're they're totally they're totally with with their Armenian, you know, uh, friends. In, in this case. But, uh, you know, and, and I, I got to tell you, uh, Posh and Pat, the Assyrian community in Armenia, they've sent uh, Assyrian young men to the front lines. The Yazidi community in Armenia, they've sent their young men to the front lines. So, you know, the minorities in Armenia um, who who have been treated so well and, and, are, and the Armenian government is so tolerant of, they, they see this as an existential battle the same way Armenians do. So what's next? I mean, what
0: comes... I mean, how does this thing end? And hopefully, you know, it's it ends well for Armenia. But like, when you know, is it going to take U.S. intervention? Is it going to take you know other countries coming and saying this needs to end? I mean, like, what what yeah. can we
1: expect? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the sooner the better. Certainly, it, it it will require intervention from major powers. Certainly, the O.S.C. Minsk Group uh, co-chairs U.S., Russia, and France. Uh, now, Turkey certainly uh, has come out publicly. Poo-pooing that, uh, that framework, um, the OSCE uh, framework, which has held, uh, you know, since, since the mid-1990s. Um, and Turkey ultimately wants to be considered uh, uh, a broker uh, for this conflict, uh, for this war, uh, you know, on an even keel with Russia, for example. They, uh, uh, Ankara's aim is to uh, ensure that France and the United States are, are not in the picture when it comes to uh, to being the ultimate brokers. They want to be up there with Russia why is that uh, because uh, there are other conflicts throughout the world right now uh, throughout that part of the world where Russia and Turkey uh, and Iran in some in some cases are are the uh, uh, the the powers that are trying to broker um, you know uh, other conflicts that are going on for example in Syria there's the Astana process as it's known um, you know t- Turkey and Russia and Iran are the uh, the main players, uh, when it comes to trying to, to bring the, the various Syrian sides to the negotiating table to hammer out a, a final binding peace. And, and certainly the Syrian people deserve that, uh, after all the, the suffering that they've, that they've experienced in the civil war. You also have the Libyan process, the Libya, uh, where you have two competing factions in, in Libya, two competing governments, um, in Libya and, and you've got Turkey, uh, and, uh, and the Libyan government that's recognized by the UN you know on one side of the table and then you've got Egypt um uh and uh the other the other uh government the opposition Libyan government on the other side of the table um Just a complete and, mess and, and yeah it's a mess and in that in that war you've got you've got uh, the United Arab Emirates and Russia supporting Egypt and supporting the, the Libyan faction, the opposition faction, uh, for example. So Russia in many ways is, is, is overstretched, uh, in other, in other theaters of war. Uh, certainly they have, uh, uh they, uh, they have a lot of assets, uh, military assets in, uh, in Syria, uh, at their, at their base, the Hemenim base, uh, in Latakia. Um, they have, uh, they have private security contracting forces, uh, so the so-called Wagner Group in Libya, um, you have Russian forces uh, that are in Belarus right now, trying to uh, prop up uh, President Lukashenko. Uh, you have uh, you have you've had Russian forces time and again in uh, the eastern part uh, of Ukraine, um, uh, and you know that there's still no end in, in sight. Um, sort of a, a lull in Ukraine right now, but even there, you've got Turkey, uh, you know, supporting the Ukrainian government. Um, and and you've got Russia supporting uh, the uh, the fo- the folks uh, that are in charge of the eastern sections of Ukraine. I know this is your uh, job, f- but
0: how do you keep track of all of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a <laughs> fi- lot, lot of filing, a <laughs> lot a lot of filing, uh, both both uh, electronically and uh, and in my head. But 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 yeah, I mean, look, Turkey's trying to project power, and they're trying to show Russia that like we're on an even keel with you. And, and we want you to treat us this way. And if you, if you ultimately want uh, a cessation of violence in, in Artsakh, then you're going to have to compromise elsewhere. And I, that's, what they're, that's what they're hoping to get right. from Russia as concessions. Uh, at the same time, you know, this is really uh, what's happening in Artsakh uh, has unnerved uh, Iran because it's happening near their border and they've amassed a large uh, force at the border. Um, and, uh, and there there have been uh, reports of uh, massive uh, uh, forces from the Azeri side who have moved to the southeastern sections of Artsakh uh, and are trying to penetrate uh, what are um, more flat land. Mm-hmm. In the southeastern part of Artsakh, it's not as hilly, it's not as mountainous. And so the Azeris think that that's an, a, an easier way to penetrate and take over certain territories. I'm talking about the Jebrail Fizuli area very close to the Iranian border they're literally with the with the with the amount of force that they've that they've uh, sent that way they're literally egging on Armenian forces to uh to uh try to repel uh their this massive Azeri led force by um you know for example you know using using uh you know artillery that uh you know could err and end up on the Iranian side of the border. That's certainly something that Armenians have to be mindful of. Uh, You know, we certainly don't want, we don't want to upset Iran. Certainly, Um, uh, you know, a neutral Iran in this case uh, is, uh, is ideal. And so far they've, they've been relatively neutral. They've offered to mediate, um, uh, you know, on their, on their own Um, and, the fact of the matter is Aliyev and erdogan um despite the plea from the international community from uh from the three OSCE Minsk group co-chairs uh to cease hostilities and come back to the negotiating table it seems as if they have no intention of doing so by the way a lot but from they, their
2: own people too um I, i've seen from their own
1: people as well yeah people
2: protesting own. within their own countries to the government saying can you please stop
1: right and and there's 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 there is uh especially in azerbaijan there is a a, a, a tinge of dissent um, and, and that's why there are curfews. Now, Azerbaijan has also, like Armenia and Artsakh, they've declared martial law uh, right at the start of the war. But they have curfews that start at like 9, 8, 9 p.m. Nobody can be out in the streets. They they, they want to ensure that there, there are no you know protests happening in their country while, while the war is going on. Even, even uh, so, there are minorities in Azerbaijan, like the Talish, um, where a disproportionate the greater number of their men, Talish men, have been sent to the front lines, and and I've seen videos of Talish dissenting, dissenting the fact that their best and brightest are being sent to fight, uh, the, you know, in, in this war. I mean, it's just sad yeah. because
2: you know these innocent lives, you know, on the Armenian side, who are just merely trying to protect not only their land but their existence, our, right. our existence, and then the other side, which to your point. Have been raised to believe this this false narrative that you know we're that Armenia is the aggressor and that you know and, and so th- the result is just these people at the top who are you know sort of like playing puppets and um uh these people on the gr- on the on the ground that are essentially dying and, and yeah Hel- helpless in
1: many ways you know yeah. um should they try to dissent they'll be arrested and God knows what will happen in 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 uh in Azeri prisons we we sort of know what happens there uh with uh with the blogger for example the the um part Russian part Israeli blogger Lapshin when he was extradited from Belarus and uh and and you know severely beaten in an Azerbaijani prison because he visited Artsakh and because he wrote about you know you know he, he he actually attacked and mocked Aliyev when he was in Artsakh um and so, you know, um uh, he knows firsthand the Russian the Russian Israeli blogger Lapshin how uh horrific Azeri Azeri uh prison systems are. Um but yeah, I mean, uh the stakes are high for for many many people in the region including these uh you know, minorities, the Talish and the Avars and the Laz and and others in in Azerbaijan who many of whose whose boys are being sent to the front lines. So
0: I'm sure we could talk for yeah. more hours but you know just to start wrapping things up um, you know this is the first time really that we've ever discussed any sort of issue like this on our podcast in the 3 years that we've been um, you know doing this you know doing this project the founder hour and for the most part we interview founders and business people and you know we hear their stories and their journeys but you know there are times especially in a time like this where when our own people and our own existence is you know being threatened you know we had to just do something
2: and also the 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 fact that we're such a small group of people that you know we felt compelled that we need to amplify our voices and share it with the larger community because it is a matter of right. human rights. And, and we can't do it alone. I mean, yes. we,
0: I mean we, want, we need, right? Like, we need non-Armenians to be a part of this discussion. Absolutely. Right? And, like, you know, what I've seen in the community, you know, ever since the start, you know, you mentioned 12, 13 days ago, is a lot of non-Armenians who have been reaching out to both of us, to a lot of other Armenians asking what's going on right like it's tough to ask them for money from the get-go but it's like they need to know what's going on and that requires us to know on. you know going what
2: on, we right? we we encourage you know this is one discussion but we encourage people to do their own research and go out there because the, the evidence is out there you just have to search for it right um so so this is yeah and it's
1: not hard because no. because for example there there are independent war correspondents uh and also you know some that are tied to um uh, the major media publications uh in the u.s and europe uh that are that are embedded now uh in Artsakh, they were they were in stepanagerd and and actually felt the shelling right. i know ani yukar from vice yeah ani yukar from we were, vice was there and and she and her she team to flee, just right? pulled out yeah they just they, they just yesterday um she she pulled out i th- i believe they're in armenia now vice issued some uh some some photographs uh earlier right. today um uh, about what they saw in Stepan So, you know, follow Vice, follow Vox. Vox came out with a really good article today. Um, follow, uh, you know, the uh, PBS NewsHour, which is going to have a report. Um, they had a journalist embedded um,
2: I heard you know, the like, uh, LA Times is going. I'm not sure if that's LA
1: Times, yeah. Uh so th- that's good news because the, their coverage has been very poor. Yep. Um uh to <laughs> the say LA the news has uh, been poor in many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I mean look, their 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 foreign their foreign correspondent Laura King, um it was just just uh it it was it was not responsible journalism. Yep. Uh right. and and it's it's welcome news that two I heard two reporters for the LA Times are being uh, you know, sent to Yerevan and, and will be taken to the, you know, taken to Stepanaguer right. and and elsewhere where we hopefully it's relatively safe to report from. Um and uh, and issue more accurate reports of what's ha- actually happening right. on the ground. Uh, this the false Another equivocation th- um is just it's it's uh it's 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 a it's a matter of um journalistic ethics all yeah. of a sudden. You know, this is this is not this is not a time to be wholly objective uh, where you know, two sides of the story kind of thing. It this is not the this is not another the good case. piece of content not I not I
2: watched case. was actually in February, right, right before this all happened, was when Prime Minister Pashinyan and, and President Aliyev actually sat down for a discussion, uh, right, in Germany. I think it was right. In conference. It was it was a conference, yeah. Um, and that was really interesting to to see them kind of talk about it, and and I mean, just whoever sees it can can sense they were, sense, <laughs>
1: they, were ta- they were talking. Uh, Past each other, yeah. Not at each other, exactly. Or, you know um, that, yeah. I recommend that. That was the Munich Conference back in. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think February. February. But, but yeah. I mean, bottom line is by with the with this incessant bombardment of civilian populated areas, Azerbaijan has forfeited its right to ever govern this territory. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I mean, how how could you if you if 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 this territory is so sacred to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how could you just you know. Uh, destroy not just the people, but the flora and the fauna, and the infrastructure, and the you know the, the the hydroelectric stations and the electric stations. I mean, how could you you know the bridges that that are built? Um, how could you just you know engage in such but a scorched, that, earth, or scorched earth campaign? If but that's really exactly
0: what it is. They don't care, and the only reason, in my opinion, they're in this fight, and the only reason Aliyev's in this fight is because Mr.
2: Erdogan has told him that this is what we're going to do, right? right. I mean, well, that also proves the point that it's not just about the land, but it's 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 an attack against the people. Because if it was about the land, then the people living on the land would be living on the land, like they're not. But you're killing the the civilians. You're terrorizing.
1: You're terrorizing them. The goal is for them to either die or to be forced to to flee. Um, But certainly, their goal is not to allow any Armenians. Uh, to stay on um, um, their... And they're in, also weakening Armenians
0: from Armenia, right? I mean, like, as a part of it, because those, like you said, are going to the front lines and fighting. Yes, In a sense, volunteers. they are weakening our people from Armenia, not only from Artsakh, but also from Armenia. I mean, obviously, it's a part of a greater strategy, but again, I think the most important thing... Besides giving money, which at this point I think over 80 million has been raised, perhaps by tomorrow when we release this, 100 million will be have, have been raised throughout the Armenian diaspora and from other people who have been supporting. And hopefully that continues because we need it. Not only are we less in numbers. By human numbers But less in numbers Financially To be able to Not only fight this war But to pay for the medical supplies To help those that are injured To rebuild Right These are all important And I think that The most important thing I want that to you be careful too
2: Because it's not It's like We're not fighting the war We're merely trying to protect ourselves Right right. It's, it it's depends, a matter of In a defense, war battle. In a war though Like yeah. I mean
0: we're, We didn't perpetrate it We are we're, They started the war And we're here just Trying to figure out How to even Defend ourselves With the limited resources Right, right. I think it's just important from the get-go that people just educate themselves and obviously this has a lot to do with our education system in general this isn't a 2020 of you know october thing this is forever more for all of time where we just don't know enough right you're talking about all these international issues and we don't study that unless you're like an international affairs like major in college and delve deeper and do like a phd in it You don't know about these issues, but these issues impact you here. They impact you wherever you are in the world, wherever you call home, right? Because eventually it will happen here. Eventually somebody that you know will be impacted, right? So I think it's important for even all of us as Armenians to be even more educated on our issues, but to also be educated about other issues of human rights. Because we were, and this is not a fun or proud fact, but... The Armenian genocide was the first genocide of the 20th century, right. which led to dozens more genocides, genocides that are taking place right now as this episode right. is happening. With, with, right.
1: with the with the with the Uyghurs in China, with the Rohingya uh, in, in Burma, um, you know, Rwanda. It's, happen- it's happening in, uh, Darfur, it Rwanda. in Rwanda a few decades ago. It's happening in Sudan, um, South Sudan. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's happening in various parts of the world, and. And, and you know the Ar- Ar- Armenians and, and you know entities like the Aurora Prize for Awakening Humanity they've done a good, good job in spotlighting mm-hmm. you know where these human rights atrocities are taking place and especially spotlighting the heroes the, the people who have really stepped up to, to help the orphans, to help, right. to help rebuild society, to, to, to bring a sense of, of reconciliation between uh, you know various factions right. in a given area like in Rwanda uh, they've done a tremendous job uh, in 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 you know in choosing their, the recipients of their prize uh, and in perpetuating uh, this sense of you know responsibility for human life right um, and that again that was done in in memory of of the one one and a half million Armenian martyrs right. of the of the genocide yep. uh, by by its founders its 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 co-founders um, you know what what will happen now what will happen now with so many uh, people from Artsakh uh, who've already fled you know there's reports of mainly children and women who have fled to Armenia what will happen you know will they will they ever be able to go back home right we don't know we don't know right now I think that
0: you know this is a moment in time for everyone who's living yeah because you know whether you know about it now or you're going to read about it in 5 10 20 30 years you're going to remember that I lived in 2020 right don't be a part of the group of people that did nothing about it, right. right? If you can stand for one human rights movement, one social justice movement, you have to stand for every single one of them. You can't just pick and choose who gets social justice, who has civil rights, who has human rights, right? right. Especially the younger generation. You know, me and Pat are 28 years old and I'll speak directly to the younger generation. If you're listening to this episode or if somebody tells you about it, it's your responsibility. I don't care if you're 10, 15, 20 years old, 18 years old. Talk about this because you're going to be the one who's going to be teaching your kids in history books about what happened, right? You're going to be reading about this with your kids. So don't be just silent, right? I mean, silence does not work. Don't say, I don't know about it. You don't know about it. Learn about it, right? right? Disagree with me. It's okay. Question me, right? It's okay to question me, Don, to question Pat, to question me. Ask, delve deeper. Let us find the answers too, right? But don't just stand idly by and say, oh, well, doesn't affect me. Why do I care?
2: My country's not talking about it. Trump's not talking about it. Biden's not talking about it. No. Well, that's the that's the problem and and alluding back to what I was saying before with these celebrities sort of posting and then taking it down is that everyone just now everyone is a victim of cancel culture and if you speak up and if you if you say something that another person or another side doesn't agree on then then people just kind of stay quiet and, and nothing but that's how progress is made by talking about it by sharing and and having civil discussion around things. But again, to your point, this is not a matter of politics. This is not a matter of one side versus the other. This is a matter of Humans versus the people that want to get rid of humans, and right. so um, which in twenty
0: twenty is pretty unbelievable. to, it, me, to It's be it's with crazy. You. Yeah. It's
2: crazy. But Miran, this has been such an informative discussion, not only for me, but I'm I'm sure everyone listening, and we can't thank you enough. I know you've been working day and night. Um, this I'm came sure. together in
1: like two hours, by the way. <laughs> yes. just for those that <laughs> yes, know. there so, was no plan here. <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and and great questions. Um, you know, ho- hopefully uh, you won't have me on uh, again <laughs> because because this war will be over pretty soon. And, uh, and, and hopefully people can, can rebuild, uh, we can help our brothers and sisters in Artsakh rebuild very soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the consequences and I'll leave it, I'll leave it with this note, uh, for Aliyev, right? This, this is, this is pretty much do or die for him. If, if he fails, right, uh, to take over significant territory, which is what he wants, then, uh, I can't see him having a future uh, as the you know dynastic leader of Azerbaijan any longer. Uh, he will be deposed, um, and and at the end of the day, I don't think Erdogan really will care whether or not he's around. Um, and and Erdogan probably would want someone more pliant, uh, you know, as president of Azerbaijan. Um, someone someone you know where he, he'll have absolute, uh, you know, influence over. Uh, but you know, we 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 have to support our troops in every way, shape, or form to ensure that uh, Artsakh mm-hmm. remains Armenian. Yes. Thank you, Miran. Thank you. Thank you guys.